This week, an update on M&J haulage as we're joined by Nick Morris from British Sugar. Also, as well as Sean with his agronomy and Chris from Open Field, we've more from Andrew Ward as we look at Harvest 17. It's been a harvest from hell. <laughs> to be honest, it's been probably the worst harvest we, we've ever had. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. Last week, we brought you the sad news from M&J haulage into administration, meaning potential job losses and uncertainty for sugar beet growers. On Wednesday, a meeting was held where growers, NFU Sugar and British Sugar came together to discuss the issue and explain what contingency plans are in place. We'll hear from Nick from British Sugar in a moment. First, Michael Sly is chairman of NFU Sugar. He, like Nick, was at that meeting. What was the outcome, Michael? Uh, morning, Sean. Yeah, very positive. We had um, um, somewhere around uh, 30, 35 growers at the meeting at the Newark Showground. Um, NFU Sugar um, presented to the growers, listened listened to their needs um, about the demise of M&J haulage and how this would affect them. Um, Nick Morris from British Sugar was there and presented to the growers about their contingency plans. Obviously, people who are in the industry harvesting and haulage scheme uh, have a contract with British Sugar and their beet will be lifted and collected as the normal function as before and the, the private growers of M&J were issued with a list of contractors who are available across the East Midlands um, to be contacted to come and help them out. Um, we also have the assurance from the processor of which NFU Sugar will be here to support and help any grower affected to make sure that their beet is lifted and got to the Newark factory in a timely fashion and this will be an ongoing process. I mean, it's it's fair to say there's been a, a fair bit of concern over the last week, hasn't there? Yes, I mean, it is a very, and, and I think we should say this is a very sad uh, set of circumstances for the, the, the staff of M&J Haulage and that business and for those growers who have had... Um, Quite passionately, M&J had given them an extremely good service of professionalism and uh, were always timely and always did what they say they were going to do. I guess it's a difficult one to say, but is, do you think M&J is, um, is a one-off, is a unique situation, or is there concerns this might happen elsewhere, if not this season, then maybe the start of next season? Um, I think that's a very good question, Sean, and I think that that is a much wider question for for the joint industry that we that we have from field to factory and i think over the coming months we will closely be reviewing the supply chain as part of our ongoing work that we do um, with british sugar uh, on behalf of the industry and it does raise some serious questions um, this is about delivering a sustainable supply chain from that field into those factories and people need to have the confidence to be able to invest and be here for the long term to provide that service. Michael Sly, chairman of NFU Sugar. Well, as he mentioned, Nick Morris from British Sugar was also at that meeting. He's with me now. Morning, Nick. Morning, Sean. Because this is the uh, first time we've spoken since the the news of, uh, of M&J haulage. And as, as Michael Sly was saying there, you were at the meeting on Wednesday discussing contingency plans. Um, talk us through some of those plans first of all Nick yeah that's right well I think firstly uh, I just want to recognise that uh, on behalf of myself and British Sugar of course we were 
very sorry indeed to hear this news of uh, M&J haulage and, and our thoughts are very much with the employees and their families that are impacted by this very sad announcement. Um, and I would just make this point at this uh, time that we have done everything we can indeed to support M&J haulage. We have got uh, contingency plans in place and we've been working uh, very hard on affecting those uh, over the last week. And uh, we've been able to identify a number of alternative contractors that are able to step into these uh, contracts, uh, ultimately to make sure that the grower's beat is lifted and delivered as as planned. And ultimately, as such, we're not anticipating any significant delays to, to grower's campaign. Um, however, it's uh, you know really important to, to say that if growers are indeed concerned, that they they speak to their their area manager. Hopefully, um, by now, uh, my team of area managers have actually reached out to everybody w- that we're aware of that uh, M and J haulage uh, provide uh, services to uh, campaign services for harvesting and and haulage. Uh, but if we have uh, missed anyone, then please don't hesitate to get in touch. Uh, and our also our British Sugar helpline is 0870-240-2314. And I guess it's a case of dialogue continuing, really. You know, keep chatting with them uh, should they have any concerns. Yeah, that that's right. And um, ultimately, uh, we've spoken to quite a significant number of alternative contractors to understand what level of capacity they've got uh, uh, to take on additional work. So we've got a fairly good feeling for what resources out there, and we do think it will satisfy all of our uh, all of our requirements. And uh, you, we've spent quite a long time doing that, and also reaching out to the growers that we we know are affected. As you say, I went to the growers' meeting on Wednesday night, uh, which was organised by NFU Sugar, and it was uh, great to have uh, be able to share our plans in a bit more detail with those growers that are affected, and uh, hopefully affect a plan together. Let's move on to the actual campaign itself then, your usual report here to, to usually to talk about the, the actual campaign. How's, how's it going so far? That's right, and it's quite, uh, when I was just preparing a few notes for this for this report, uh, I, I realised that we're already actually 38 days uh, into campaign. It seems to have flown by very quickly. It still very much feels like it's, uh, it's early days, and I guess ultimately, uh, proportionally it is, as we will definitely be running well into March. Um, factory throughput so far... Currently uh, averaging 8,800 tonnes a day. This is a little bit less uh, than we would like it to be, and we're certainly working on um, increasing that significantly. Um, The uh, slightly lower number than we'd like um, being caused by a a couple of different elements, really. Initially, at the very start of campaign, we had a few challenges in the factory just to work through, namely some leaks on uh, some of our plant and equipment. We've been able to... uh, uh, work through that and indeed uh, achieve a, a balance and stability uh, throughout the, the factory process. We did, um, since uh, my last report, sadly uh, suffer a, a shortage of beet supply for nine consecutive days, which ran from the 26th of September to the 4th of October. And slightly unusual at this time, um, at that time of year, to suffer a shortage of beet supply. I think largely down to pressure on uh, lorries and vehicles, um, and growers actually um, wanting to leave the crop in the ground to grow on, increase in yield, and indeed increase in value. However, uh, since then, um, 
the factory performance has uh, um, increased uh, very nicely. We're now averaging on a day-to-day basis uh, around 10,000 tonnes over the last few days, which is uh, where we want to be. And beet supplies, while they remain fairly hand-to-mouth, we are starting to get a little bit of stock building up on farm, which uh, just assists us when we have the odd wet day. We've still got some crop to deliver. Quality uh, is good, and in fact, it's been exceptional um, at the uh, mid part of this this last week, with sugar contents approaching 18% and dirt tares as low as three and a half percent. On average, for the campaign, uh, dirt tares actually now uh, just under six percent, and sugar content at 17.14. So uh, they're increasing nicely, and we're getting some fantastic reports of uh, of yield. In fact, one of my team. Uh, came to see me on Thursday morning and was sharing news of uh, one of his growers that have just achieved 95 tonnes a hectare, which for this time of year, again, is is phenomenal. Over the 35 contracts that have already finished uh, for the campaign, uh, they're averaging 69 tonnes a hectare, which, again, is is encouraging, and we will see that increase as uh, as time progresses. So let's hope for more of the same. I uh, recall last... uh, Saturday the 14th of October it was unbelievable how uh, how hot it was it could have been mistaken for a hot summer's day in July so it's no wonder the sugar content is increasing and the crop yield continues to to build with that okay some positives in a difficult week Nick Morris from British Sugar thanks Sean on to great news then some positives there as well let's hope Chris Spratt is the man in the know morning Chris good morning Sean what's happening with open field uh, well wheat market well that continues its benign sort of fashion really uh, it appears that though there's not too much pressure on either buyer or seller, at least for the time being. And I think if we look back over the last three months, uh, futures are probably about the same place now as they were 12 weeks ago. So although there's been ups and downs in the interim, not really a great deal of change. Uh, in the UK, there's been a little bit more feed consumer interest throughout the week, really. Uh, further afield, the latest USDA report that we talked about uh, last week, well, that's been the main focus of interest. Now is the, going to be the development of the South American crops going forward, so everybody's watching that. Domestic bread wheat premiums, well, they've come under a little bit of pressure as homes get covered, certainly in the pre-Christmas position. Well, seed rate, well, that was a quiet start to the week as the trade digested last week's USDA report, which was viewed as supportive, um, you know, as soybean yields and carry out there was reduced in the US. Uh, prices started proving. Uh, we did see a slight weakening of sterling and, and buyers returning looking for domestic supplies. Uh, really now they've, they've taken some early imported seed and, and now starting to look to the domestic market. Feed bean market, well, that continues to come under pressure due to the high percentage of failed samples we're seeing, really, rendering most of the crop as feed due to the high brookid levels and high staining in the later harvested crops. Demand from the feed compounds is thin, as they're committed to using cheaper sources of proteins at the moment, which they locked into earlier on in the season. So feed beans were somewhere in the region of 148 to 150 for November, with the human consumption spring varieties around about £25 a tonne premium. Malting barley, well, the market remains relatively quiet there, with growers and consumers preoccupied with resampling product in the barn before it leaves the farm. There's still barley out in the field in Scotland, which would make it uh, one of the UK's longest harvests, I suppose, now. Three three months, really, I think we've been going at it. The domestic market remains very quiet, with premiums around £28 to £33 for springs, dependent on area. Uh, there's little activity taking place post-Christmas, and winter's around about £22, depending on location. There are still some useful prices out there for 2018 crop, although a little off the top from previous values. Uh, 
So if we look at feed wheat prices, 139 to 141 for November, with a pound a month carry to May at 145 to 147. Group 1 premiums, as we've said, under pressure pre-Christmas, but further forward now, around about 10 to 12 pound. Very much dependent on area. I think in throughout the UK we're going to see some fairly large regional variations this year, dependent on quality and demand to certain of certain qualities to uh, to certain mills. Feed barley 121 to 123 for November with a pound a month carry, and as we say, malting barley premium still firm, uh, but little fresh activity, uh, and just really keep in touch with your farm trader, your open field farm trader uh, about uh, current values. Uh, and then finally, all seed rape, 310 to 312 for November with a pound a month carry. Thank you, Chris Spratt from Open Field. Last week on the programme, Andrew Ward was in discussing one of his favourite subjects, that of glyphosate. Well, while here, I thought it a good opportunity to chat about Harvest 17, how the harvest has been on his farm at Lednam. Um, I would actually say it's been a harvest from hell. <laughs> to be honest, it's been probably the worst harvest we, we've ever had in terms of the weather. Um, the Some of the wheats haven't been performing very well, again, because of the weather, I think, pre-harvest. And the acreage we have, we normally, uh, from start to finish, would get our harvest done in, in well under 40 days, you know, from rape and, and spring wheat, spring barley and everything. And this year we were 68 from start to finish and uh, that is just completely you know, unreal all down to the weather and uh, we, we had one spell uh, where we had I think nine or ten days of rain every day in September and uh, the actual the day we finished harvesting which was September the 26th was only our fifth dry day since August the 26th so it's it's just been a, a nightmare trying to trying to sort of do it but you know generally obviously rapes yielded well spring barley has done well um, spring wheat for us the first time we've ever really grown spring wheat uh, in any numbers and uh, yeah we've, we've sort of averaged eight and a half um, eight and a half plus eight and point seven ton a hectare so we've done quite well with the spring wheat but uh, sugar beet we've just started and that's running at about 82 83 tons uh, per hectare with sugars of 17.4 of percent so uh, i think yeah quite uh, quite pleased with that seeing it's early early lifting on, on heavy land so yeah a bit of bit of all sorts there but uh, all the crops really um you know we've, we've pleased in a way but apart from some of the wheats that were very, very disappointing it seems to be a similar story wherever you you go doesn't it the the yields have been good but it's just been so frustrating with the it, weather it, yeah it has and, and the thing is now I normally don't like combining wet grain, but this year with the spring wheat, we just had to, to get it done. And we were combining at sort of 19, 20%. And uh, that takes a lot of drying. And obviously we're now into October. The drying days are are very few and far between. Um, And obviously you need to put uh, gas on and heat on to get the the air warm into the crop. And so it costs a lot more to dry. So so it's it's the added cost, if you like, of, of, of the weather still impacting on us, even though now the crops are all in the shed. We then move on to drilling and um, you know cultivation and Sean Sparling will be here later with with agronomy and I'm sure he'll say again hold back because of black grass and that is the advice really. Isn't oh, it? It, it is Sean. We, we um, as you know we've we've been really really targeting black grass for a number of years now and we've just had our third black grass free harvest which takes a lot of effort and it takes um, a lot of time and patience in doing that. And yes, Mr. Sparling is quite right. Um, and Sean and I have 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 a great debates over lots of things and we get on well and I do agree with Sean on that and I think that is one of the biggest things for us that has contributed towards us getting on top of blackgrass and uh, delayed drilling and delayed drilling is not oh 
15th of October drilling. That's not delayed drilling. Delayed drilling is the last few days in October and into November. And it takes a lot of patience in doing that. But I think it's up to us as a farmer to set the soils up in a way that enables them to withstand the weather that we might get at that time. And if we can't get the crop in, don't go and maul it in and, and just get it in in appalling conditions. Wait and wait. And if you can't get it in November or early December, then just put a spring crop in it. Because to my view, a spring crop without blackgrass is far better than a, than a winter wheat crop with blackgrass. I know we've got listeners with itchy feet who will want to get on with it, but it really is the best advice. It, absolutely. It really, really is. And and the cost of, of trying to control blackgrass out of a can, uh, if you throw everything at it and try and rely on chemistry, you'll be spending of probably £230 a hectare in trying to do that. And when you look at the price of wheat today, all right, maybe 140 of just uh, feed wheat. It, you know, it's a it's a big cost. And yes, people just want to get on because they say they can't get on and get the crop in. But patience is really is is a huge thing. And delayed drilling for us has really helped in our control. Uh, as has not letting blackgrass seed. So if we have patches of blackgrass next May. Is, is taking those out with glyphosate and of course that's another issue that we, we, we keep talking about but take that out with glyphosate if we still have the product and uh, and and not letting anything seed and, and then hand labor as well and you've seen us with the gangs in the field um, of, of pulling by hand and that's another huge factor absolutely and of course labor itself is a, a growing problem and issue as we get nearer to march 2019 yes oh, oh i mean with with brexit you know if we do get a, a serious um, restriction on 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 labor coming into the country uh, yes it will be for me because we use foreign labor from from these labor agencies it will be a huge uh, a huge um, sort of um, problem for us and regarding blackgrass control I've got some really interesting figures that uh, I I actually keep a cost of each individual field and how many hours the the gangs have been in that field and then proportion it towards a cost and a cost per hectare. And uh, our average cost for hand-roguing blackgrass last year was £56 a hectare. Our average cost this year was 38 So it just shows that our policy and and not letting it seed really does, uh, does help. And regarding individual crops... Our cheapest uh, cost, um, cheapest crop to rogue this year was winter wheat at £28 a hectare. And that's obviously because we're drilling later. Uh, so the wheat is really is um, you know, not getting too much black grass in it now. So the winter wheat was 28 to hand rogue. The spring barley was 37 a hectare and the spring wheat was 47 a hectare. So it just shows that between the spring barley and the spring wheat, the competitiveness, and we all know that spring barley is the best competitive crop for blackgrass, and spring wheat is not as good. And it just shows that with those costs that we put spring wheat on our, on our fields that uh, aren't as bad for blackgrass as, as the ones where we grow spring barley. So just some interesting figures that just show the difference between the spring crops. Andrew Ward there, and uh, something very worrying. That is two weeks in a row now that he's agreed with Sean Sparling. What is going on? Uh, let's get the latest from Sean himself. Morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Sean. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? Ward is agreeing with me this week. I was agreeing with Wardy last week. I think we'll all be a lot happier when we're back to normal and we're disagreeing on everything, and that's something for all of us to look forward to, I think. Right, let's start with the weather. Very, very mild start to this week. I registered 23 degrees on two consecutive days this week. Um, thankfully, we sidestepped Hurricane Ophelia from the rain point of view. We didn't from the wind point of view, and we'll come on to that as to the effect that's had on some of the pre-M herbicides on the weeks. 
but it's actually been very dry so far this month with me. I've only registered a little bit over 8 millimetres of rain this month, but that's coming off the back of 80 odd mil of rain in August, of September, of 65 mil of rain in August, of 80 mil of rain again in July. Very, very wet underneath. And anybody that's tried to drill the heavy land or work heavy land will know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, the combination of warm soils and wet soils is slugs. They hatch. We've seen a good hatch in the last 48 hours. I walked into a field of oilseed rape, which is where we'll start, on uh, Thursday afternoon, and there were scores of one millimetre long hatchling slugs. You need to be on top of those, because a lot of those little tiddlers can cause an awful lot of damage very, very quickly. Remember your restrictions on metaldehyde. Don't spread metaldehyde within 10 metres of a field boundary or a watercourse, that's what your ferrous phosphate's there for. And don't put metaldehyde slug pellets on to exceed the 7 kilos of a 3% product between the 1st of August and the end of December. Don't go on and put it on if it's waterlogged in the field, if it's raining, if it looks like rain, if it's going to rain, because all of those things make metaldehyde, which is hydrophilic, so it's attracted to water, likely to get into the watercourse. And the only way we will keep metaldehyde is to keep levels in water from uh, reservoirs and everything else low. So you need to be in any situation where you're at all in doubt if it's too wet, go with ferrous phosphate because ferrous phosphate is only toxic to slugs and snails. The problem is it's four times as expensive as metaldehyde, um, but it doesn't go into drinking water and it causes no problems. So speak to your agronomist, get your slug traps out, treat as and when, treat areas rather than whole field. That's the sensible way to deal with that. Now, while we're with oilseed rape, the disease levels um, are slightly increased on last week. There is, if you go onto my Twitter feed, which is at SAS Agronomy. If you go on there, you'll see pinned to my header, there is this spot check initiative, which means you ring, go on that website, ring the number, they will send you a pack. There is a polythene bag to put a random 30 leaves from a, an oilseed rate field. Take old and new leaves, but don't take the dying ones. Take green leaves, stick them in there, seal them in, put them in the prepaid envelope, fill out the form, send it off. And within 48 hours, ADAS will send you an assessment of the disease which is within those leaves. And what it's showing up, I've sent 11 this week on Monday, Tuesday. I got them back on Friday morning. And that's showing me that FOMA levels are around 6% on average. Only one of the samples showed any light leaf spot, which was 2%. Remember, we only get protection against light leaf spot. And one strange anomalous sample showed 44% uh, downy mildew. Now there's nothing chemically you can do to eradicate and control downy mildew other than the seed treatment, but you can only protect new growth with fungicides. So speak to your agronomist if you think you've got downy mildew issues, but there's nothing you can spray which is going to eradicate it. Uh, but that's a free service, it's worth looking at. Um, FOMA, your threshold as we've said before, one plant in ten on a thick crop or one plant in five uh, on, a, on a thick crop and one plant in ten on a thin crop. So it, it's difficult, but the timing is coming. Uh, and try and limit the amount of passes you're making through these fields. If you can include fungicide in with a herbicide, then do that. But remember, don't mix anything with Centurion Max. And with Crawler, which is carbetamide, just stay away from the prothioconazole treatments because they don't mix particularly well. Now, slugs, with the warm weather, the wet weather, the slugs, as we've said, have gone absolutely crackers. And that's in cereals as well. You can find hollowed grains. Don't just assume that your wheat hasn't come up for 10 days, and that must be because you drilled it a little bit deeper. Get your trowel out. Have a about because I was finding hollowed grains on Friday afternoon after wheat that was drilled on Thursday. 
Now, that's the other thing. We talked about the wind at the beginning of this piece from Hurricane Ophelia. That's complicated because people have been out drilling, but they haven't got the herbicide on. The key with any herbicide on winter wheat for the control of blackgrass is to get it on before the blackgrass seeds start to put roots down. And that means get it on within three or four days of drilling. Get it drilled, rolled and sprayed. Because what you're doing is putting a barrier of about 20 millimetres of herbicide in the top layer. Any blackgrass that germinates within that, the roots will pick it up and it'll kill it. If you delay it five days, the blackgrass and the wheat is germinating within 24 hours of drilling and being disturbed. So if you wait five, six, seven days, the blackgrass roots are already below the barrier that they're likely to be into and they're always going to grow away from the control, which means the control is going to be far less than it would have been had you got it on in good time. You can put your booms down to 50 centimetres, keep your forward speed low at 12k maximum and use uh, bubble jets or low drift nozzles at that as your pre-em because that'll just allow you to go if it's a tiny little bit windier than your flat fans are going to let you do, but just don't abuse it. Don't go out there on blowy horrible windy days uh, and drift all over your neighbour's crops and give farming a bad name by people driving past on the road and seeing you doing it. Um, if in doubt, go out in the middle of the night when the, the wind's down, but try and get that stack on of your prosulfocarb, your flufenacet, your pendomethylin, your flupisulfuron, your, your triallate, DFF, all of these things need to be part of it. And whatever you've done by the time five days has gone past after you've drilled is about as good as you're going to get because the control we get from post-emergent contact materials are very, very limited. If you've held your nerve, well done. This is not late drilling. November is late drilling. Um, if you put deter on your seed, by the way, that will give you about eight weeks protection against BYDV. Once your crop's been up for eight weeks, you need to be out counting day degrees. Take your average day temperature, add them up till you've got 170. That's when you start thinking about spraying aphids. If you didn't put deter on, that means you need to start that count from the day the wheat emerges. Um, there's a lot of aphids out there in volunteer cereals, and I'm finding them now in winter wheat, which has already emerged. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. Don't don't assume anything and keep your seed rates up and use competitive varieties if you're on black grassland. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. On to the weather then. Brian arrived yesterday. So uh, what's happening once he spent the weekend with us? The Farming Programme. Five day forecast. Well, this is going to be a windy day today. From the west, 25 miles an hour, gusts up to 45 miles an hour for a time. Some heavy rain in places as well, 11 the high. Tonight starts off dry, but then the possibility of some showers early tomorrow morning, 9 the low. The wind from the west at 10, maybe gusting at 25, 30 miles an hour. That wind dropping down tomorrow from the south, about 10 miles an hour. Temperatures at 12 Celsius, maybe a shower, but certainly a lot calmer than it has been. And then overnight, Monday into Tuesday, another band of low pressure sweeping across could bring some heavy rain early on Tuesday morning. Overnight lows of 11 degrees, the wind from the south again 10, maybe gusting at 15 miles an hour. Tuesday itself does look like being another wet day and uh, breezy once again from the southwest. 20, maybe gusting at 40 miles an hour. 18 will be the high. And then Tuesday into Wednesday, calming down a little bit. It should be a bit drier as well. We've got lows of around 11 Celsius and the wind more from the west-southwest, 5 to 10 miles an hour. Through Wednesday, it will stay overcast, maybe a heavy shower in the afternoon, 16 the high, the wind from the south, 5 to 10 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week, it looks like being much calmer, actually. It should be drier as well. Highs, a little bit warmer in a southerly wind, 18 Celsius the high, with overnight lows of 12 or 13 degrees. 
And that's the forecast. Well done to the winners of the British Farming Awards on Thursday, held in Birmingham. Among them, friends of the programme, LJ Fairburn and Son, named Family Farming Business of the Year. And also Caroline Drummond, Chief Executive of LEAF, who picked up the Outstanding Contribution to British Agriculture Award. Uh, congratulations too to Benjamin Theaker, one of the founding members of Brackenhurst Young Farmers near Southall. He's been named Agricultural Student of the Year. And there were two silver winners from our part of the world as well. Well, uh, Mornius Contract Herd Care of Melton Mowbray, uh, they won silver in the Contractor Innovator category. And East Yorkshire's Charlotte Shipley at Field and Forage uh, taking silver in the Beef Innovator category. Uh, well done, well deserved. Thank you, as ever, for listening uh, today. And we'll do it all over again at the same time next week. Until then, have a award-winning week's farming. <laughs>